You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider Credential, member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Monday, kicking off a week's worth of podcasts, and I got some good news for you if you watched the game on Saturday night, or if you didn't watch it, I guess, and that's the Pelicans beat the Cavaliers, something they absolutely had to do. We'll recap that game in the first segment. Then in the second segment, some pretty big Big breaking news here in the NBA. The Minnesota Timberwolves firing their their president and head coach in Tom Thibodeau. One of the names to replace him, familiar name to fans of the Hornets and Pelicans here in New Orleans. I'll let you guys know who that is coming up. And then, of course, the Pelicans take on the uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, all these M cities, Memphis Grizzlies, here in the Smoothie King Center tonight. They're going through an interesting stretch here. We'll let's preview that game and more talk about the off-court stuff going on with them and how maybe it'll affect them on the court. It's going to be an interesting game more for the things surrounding it than the actual play on the court. I'll let you guys know why that is in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So before we recap the win over the Cleveland Cavaliers, if you got a smart speaker as a gift over the holiday season, you can tell it to play podcast Locked on Pelicans to get the latest episode hands-free and at your convenience. Just want to let everyone know about that. It's a great way to make sure you're caught up and listening to the podcast daily for everything you need to know about this Pelicans team. And this Pelicans team won over the Cleveland Cavaliers 135-98, a 35-point win, a much-needed 35-point win, and in convincing fashion. This is a good win for the Pelicans, no matter what, even though the Cavaliers are 8-32. and They came out, particularly in the second half, and just completely smoked them. It's what you wanted to see, just kind of an answer for things that have been ailing this team right now. But it wasn't the easiest game, at least to start. The Pelicans actually were only up by two after the first quarter, 28-26. A little bit scary, but things started really rolling in the second once Drew Holiday got going. Finished the night with 22 points, three assists, five rebounds in this one, was four of six from deep, and actually finally got Jordan Clarkson to stop playing so well. Clarkson early on had 15 points in this one. Then Drew Holiday was switched on to him and really kind of shut it down. Nice to see from Drew leading this team. Anthony Davis in just 28 and a half minutes in this one, 20 points, 10 rebounds. He was 6 of 12 from the field, just kind of a ho-hum night for him. Cool. No big deal. Didn't need to. It's nice to have those minutes reduced. Julius Randle, 22 points on the night, 12 boards, 8 assists from him with just 2 turnovers. This was a good night from Julius Randle. 8 of 14 from the field, 57.1% from there. Each one more, 10 points from him, also in 27 minutes. Hurt his leg, though, so we got to wait to see kind of what the update and the status is on him. Um, but that could be kind of a big blow for the Pels as they're still kind of banged up. Still don't have Nikola Mirotic 
Lucic, but I've got an update on him coming up for you guys in a little bit. Alfred Payton back in the starting lineup after returning from that injury. 13 points on the night, three assists. He just didn't need to do a whole lot. Didn't get a rebound, though, which was kind of surprising. The bench, after that much maligned five-point performance with nothing more from him, stepped up in this one. Darius Miller, 14 points on the night, four of five from deep. Actually got to the line, got fouled on a three-point shot. Hit two of those three, so he finished with 14 points. Can't really ask for much more than that from him. That's good. Tim Frazier, three points in almost 20 minutes of action. Sumlin Hill played four minutes. He started to fall out of the rotation again. Didn't really do much of anything. Frank Jackson, six points. Jalil Okafor in 19 and a half minutes. Ten points from him. He was plus 16 on the night. Grabbed four rebounds as well. Diallo got five points. Ian Clark got eight. He needed kind of a nice shooting game. He was two of three from deep. Maybe that gets him going because he's been bad this year. So nice to see the bench really get some run, by the way, because they were up by so much and also kind of have a nice game and nice performances from some of those guys. Jordan Clarkson was the big night for the Cavs, 23 points. That's really it. Colin Sexton, their rookie, 15 points on two of five shooting, five of 12 overall. Didn't do too well there. The Pelicans got 20 fast break points. That's going to make their lives way easier to go out and try and score. So good to see from this team overall. They kind of played their game. They came out slow. They were not nearly kind of as assertive, as aggressive as you'd like to have seen in the first quarter. And this has been an issue for an extended period of time now. It's been one of the reasons why the defense has struggled. But you know what? They have superior talent to this Cavs team. This game is not a turning point game or anything like that. But it's a win. And you know what? Those have been kind of hard to come by recently for this Pelicans team. So simply getting that and moving to 18 and 22 and only being three and a half games out of the eighth seed in the Western Conference has to feel good. And now they're going to have a chance to make it two in a row as they take on the weirdly struggling in a weird place Memphis Grizzlies. We'll talk about that in the third segment. So you guys normally hear me plug Locked On Saints right around this time, particularly now that we know their opponent, the Eagles, in their first playoff game after the bye week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Eagles with a dramatic victory on Sunday night. But yeah, you should definitely listen and subscribe to Locked On Saints. But I need some help from you guys. Are you a diehard Saints fan? Email me. It's LockedOnPels at gmail.com. LockedOnPels at gmail.com, even though we're talking Saints here. And let me know about any superstitions or game day rituals that you might have. I want to talk to you for something that I'm working on here. Are you worried about the Saints winning or losing? Do you feel you help the team? If you do kind of the same thing over and over, do you wear the same jersey? Are you growing a playoff beard? That's always a good question to ask. Any of those weird rituals you might have, let me know about. Again, it's at, it's, sorry, it's LockedOnPels at gmail.com or let me know on Twitter at NolaJake. So big news in the NBA Sunday was that Tom Thibodeau is fired. He is out as the president and head coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves. This is weird because the timing maybe doesn't come any worse than this. There was rumors that maybe he should have been fired before the season started. Remember, there was that whole Jimmy Butler fiasco and everything kind of to begin the year where Butler said he wanted to be traded. And then they didn't and they kept him there and then they tried to make him play. Then they traded him and then things were going better and they actually beat the Lakers by 22 points Sunday. And then it came Sunday 
night that they decided that wasn't good enough. Maybe a 23-point win would have saved his job. Jobs, maybe, is the best way to put it there. And he wouldn't be out. But it wasn't, and they fired him. Just kind of weird to do halfway during the season when there were clearly better like times to do it. But I guess they wanted to see if it could work. It became untenable. It's been untenable there for a little while. And this is kind of what's happened. He is out Simple as that. So it leaves a job opening there. And before we talk kind of about the weird situation in general, one of the names that's been rumored, according to Woj and Shams with The Athletic and or ESPN and The Athletic, respectively, has been Monty Williams, the former New Orleans head coach. A guy who's held in very high regard league-wide, but just didn't, the, the team didn't really feel like he was the guy to lead him to a ton more success. So they let him go after that playoff run back in 2014. So he's been rumored for a number of these head coaching jobs. He had that family tragedy with his wife passing away, being killed in a car accident, and just needed some stability. Didn't seem like he was ready to start coaching again, traveling, all of that. But now it seems like maybe he is. He's been with the 76ers as an assistant uh, coach there for this season too. So it'll be interesting to see if maybe he gets that job opening. I'm going to say I don't think that's a good fit there. I think he should get another chance at being a head coach and think he can be really successful with the right opportunity and the right franchise. I don't think replacing Thibs is the way to go. This is not a knock on him as a coach. Or as a person, he's clearly one of the most upstanding humans you can think of or imagine. I just don't think that it's a good fit there. He's too similar to Tom Thibodeau and replacing that guy with the same type of guy doesn't seem like usually that's the way you want to go. Usually you see teams kind of head in an opposite direction. In this case, it would likely mean bringing in more of a player's coach, which is not what Monty Williams is. He's known for those long, grueling practices that Tibbs is known for. He also now has some front office experience, likes to be more hands-on with that. You're going to bring in a new uh, GM, a new president to run your franchise. You don't want him clashing potentially with the head coach. We all know about the rumors and stuff like that with Dell Demps and Monty Williams clashing. I can tell you some of that that I've heard off the record and, you know, different things, other stories is all true. So I think you've got to be careful about bringing him in to be your head coach when maybe he just kind of vetoes some moves that the GM is trying to make or they don't get along on the type of player that they want to bring in. I think that could lead to a lot of problems there in Minnesota, which is just looking for some stability. Also, again, I think they kind of end up going with a player's coach. Fred Hoiberg's a guy who's been rumored to be there or as the head coach or the GM. Not both because they've learned their lesson from that, but pretty wild to see. This is good news for the Pelicans because you kind of want them to have some uh, turmoil going on with their Western Conference rivals. Minnesota is 18 and 21, so a half game up on New Orleans. Maybe this causes them to kind of fall back down. The Pelicans play them pretty soon. I think it's something like six days. Maybe I forget the exact time frame on it or six games, whatever it is. So this is a good time to have the Timberwolves on the upcoming schedule. Um, I don't think they really know exactly what's going on right now. Flip Saunders' son is the interim head coach who will be a head coach someday in the NBA. Maybe not this job, but he's got half a season to really go out there and try and prove himself. But certainly some turmoil for a Western Conference rival. Not a bad thing to see if you're a Pelicans fan. Big news, though, kind of out of nowhere, 
Tibbs being fired, something that probably should have happened a while ago, finally happening in Minnesota. Good for them to maybe make the move, bad for Tibbs, but I don't think anyone, if you know him, is really kind of feeling that bad for him. But it'll be interesting to see what they do, and this has potential to impact the Pelicans years down the line because this Minnesota team is young, and they're supposedly going to be in the picture for the playoffs for a while, so hopefully this really kind of throws a wrench in their plans, takes them out of a lot of that, but big news in the NBA to say the least. So if you want more on the Tibbs firing, all the latest trade rumors, what's going on in Washington, um, other player moves, there's one podcast that will get you all of that, and that is the Locked On NBA podcast, Monday through Friday, five days a week, giving you everything you need to know about the association. If you just want to catch up on all the biggest stories, that is the way to do it. We promise 30 minutes or less. And of course, I host the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA alongside John Corrales of Locked On Celtics. We have a lot of fun on there, so at least listen on Wednesday. But overall, just make sure you listen and subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast. So before we talk about the Memphis Grizzlies, I do want to mention one more thing. From the Timberwolves owner, he came out and spoke after this firing, gave some updates, Glenn Taylor here. And he said something which is just the most underhanded insult to the Pelicans in New Orleans. And he goes, I'm just looking at the results. The results are that I don't think we should have lost against Phoenix or Detroit or New Orleans or Atlanta. Maybe one of those games. We just lost against a bunch of teams that were a better uh, than, than were a better team. So he's lumping the Pelicans in with Phoenix, Detroit, and Atlanta. Not company that you want to have because those are some of the teams at the bottom. And it gives you an interesting way that the uh, league or some people are looking at New Orleans. So another team in uh, in turmoil is the Memphis Grizzlies. The Pelicans take them on tonight in the Smoothie King Center, catching that team at probably the right time. They're coming in on a five-game losing streak, and they've lost 10 out of their last 12. Not exactly ideal if you're them. They also had a fight in the locker room between Garrett Temple and Omri Caspi. By the way, this is Caspi's like third or fourth, third, second or third team where there's been some issues in the locker room. You've got to wonder if he's the problem there. You know, when it's if all you meet is assholes, maybe you need to kind of look at yourself and realize you're the asshole. Wonder if that's the case with him just a little bit. Kind of interesting. Also, Garrett Temple and Omri Caspi are not two guys you would think of that would fight. So they had kind of a team meeting and that team meeting didn't go too well because it went to blows between two guys. Their head coach, JB Bickerstaff said after that, things can happen, but it's for the right reason. And what's most important is the team. I really don't know if you guys are fighting, if it's ever going to be for the right reasons or if it's for the team, if you guys are coming to blows over things kind of interesting. This is also maybe one of the reasons why they traded for Justin Holiday, um, who should be active, I believe, for them in this game. So you might see some brother-on-brother action. Also, word came out on Twitter and in the news on Sunday that they are no longer going to be with Chandler Parsons, the guy they signed to a lot of money a couple of years ago, three years ago, to try and kind of really up their game and he's been day to day recently but now it sounds like he's going to be inactive away from the team as they look to try and kind of figure out what to do with him whether it's a buyout a trade or whatever he's certainly on the block Parsons as a small forward as a wing is certainly a guy that you know I think people are going to be asking about soon but let's just kind of get ahead of this right now and the answer is no 
He's owed a lot of money and he is not playing well. He's owed $34 million, um, I think, this season and next and just isn't living up to that contract at all. $25 million is his contract for next year. If you factor in about half of what he's owed now, it comes to close to like $35 million or something like that, I think is the number that I saw. On the year, he's averaging 5.7 points per game in 15 minutes in just three games. Last year, only played 36 minutes, eight starts, 7.9 points per game. The year before that in Memphis, just 6.2. So since those good Houston years, the three he had there and then the two in Dallas, it just has not worked out for him. Um, and this is a guy that that type of money is not going to give you the production that you want, nor is he going to give you the defense that you want. So I think this is one of those things where we can just kind of rule him out right away because it just doesn't make any sort of sense. And I don't think that'd be a good fit for the Pelicans whatsoever. So the Grizzlies are struggling their offensive rating, ranking 27th in the league, but their defense is good. It's sixth best, so the Pelicans need to get that easy offense, even with this uh, Grizzlies team who hasn't been playing particularly well recently. They basically don't do anything right offensively, so you shouldn't feel that worried about it. Maybe the best thing they do is they get to the line decently, just don't foul, and you can kind of keep them off of there, but that defense is good. They turn you over. They grab defense boards, they get blocks, they get steals. It is a big problem. So again, New Orleans needs to get in the fast break, force a turnover for the Grizzlies, get out and run. Get out and run after a made basket to get easy, easy offense. That's the way they're going to win this one. Now that this Grizzlies team is healthy again, you've got Mike Conley averaging 20.2 points per game, Gasol averaging 15.7, Jaron Jackson, their rookie, who looks like maybe the best player other than Luka Doncic from this draft class at 13 and a half, Garrett Temple 10.2 into Michael Green at 10.0. Pretty good. They're not great at shooting the three ball, but they're going to try and work you inside. And they're going to take a lot of twos, make those at least difficult for him, take away the easy shots, and they should kind of fall apart. And you don't worry about them scoring enough to maybe win. The flip side of that is you got to get easy offense too because they are going to make life difficult for you. Expect a lot of double teams coming to Anthony Davis. Good news, and we'll probably know at some point tomorrow, is that we should be seeing Nikola Mirotic back on the court for the Pelicans soon, either in this game or the next one. We don't quite know yet. We'll get an update tomorrow, so hopefully before game time, he'll be announced as playing. That would be a big boon to the Pelicans in this one. They'll expect for his minutes to be limited to start, but we'll see. Pelicans need to get two in a row, and then three in a row, then four in a row at some point, but you got to get that second one first, and this is maybe the game to do it coming off that win over the Cavs, so we'll see if they can get it done, get another win in that column form, and maybe start to really roll after that. So if you're going to be at the game, enjoy it. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Enjoy the game tonight. And of course, if you're a crazy Saints fan or just a real passionate Saints fan and you've got some weird superstitions, things you do on game days that you think might help the team win or that you're just not willing to give up, let me know. It's LockedOnPels at gmail.com. I want to talk to you. I'm working on something that is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.